0: Coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. I think
1: that that heart in my hole was was just so big and I didn't realize, you know, even though I loved God and, and all of that, you know, the times that I was close or the times I drifted away from him, um, I still needed that healing to be whole and to trust him and to really just be a person on my own without having to, you know, have that other person in my life.
2: So the big questions are these, how can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Welcome to Another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Sung, and I'm super excited today to welcome Lindsay Snyder Ellingson. She is the current owner and president of the company In-N-Out Burger. She started working there as an associate in 1999. She's the granddaughter of the original founders, and. She has an incredible, incredible, incredible story. I came to know her in a really cool way, which we're gonna be talking about here in a second. And she and I have created a foundation together, which we're also going to be talking about. And I just absolutely love her story. She's so, so, so inspirational. She's now taken over the entire corporation on her own. She's, I I mean, I just think she's an incredible human being on so many levels. I I just, I can't even say enough about how inspired I am by her, not just personally, not just professionally, but on every level as a mother, as a, a business owner in, in just as philanthropically, religiously, I, you know, she just has done so much in so many ways for so many people. Uh, she's so, so busy and she so tries just, to balance so many different things by being an amazing wife, amazing mom, you know, do a good job for her employees, for everybody in her life and show up in so many different ways. So it is, there's no way we're going to be able to cover everything I want to cover today, but it is my honor and my pleasure to welcome you, Lindsay Snyder Ellingson. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So I I want to just go and start back at the beginning. You were the granddaughter of the founders of In N Out Burger, which, you know, for a lot of people in the, uh, you know, on the West Coast, it means a, a lot. Everybody knows In N Out Burger on the West Coast. Not everybody knows it on the East Coast as much, but certainly on the West Coast, it's a, it's a, a, an institution. So tell us about, you know, what that was like growing up as the granddaughter of the founders of this institution.
1: Yeah, well, you know, I think it's probably not what a lot of people would assume or think. And I know, you know, I never got to meet my grandfather. He died um, in 76. I was born in 82. <laughs> And, you know, my uncle was uh, overseeing and running the company when I was born, and my dad was involved as vice president, and... Then my grandmother was still involved as well. So, you know, being little, I didn't really know too much or understand it other than I was around a lot of special people that were close to my family that weren't exactly my family, but were my what I later came to know as my Internet family. Because we've just all been very close, you know, from the beginning, there was a closeness my grandparents had, you know the associates in their own homes and cook dinner for them. And so it's a really neat relationship. So that's one of the things I did remember was the people that were there. And there were people there that I knew as a child that are with us today. So there's that. And then the other fun fact is that our in and out spread was usually in my refrigerator, uh, our extra fridge in the laundry room. We had a sub zero, which was a big deal back in the eighties. And we had the in and out spread in there. And I just thought it was the best thing ever. Cause you know, I don't like tomato, but we had a modified BLT with in and out spread and that was great. But, you know, I didn't know that much and, you know, there wasn't social media and all of that back then. So it wasn't well known. And I felt like other than having a pretty big backyard, my childhood was pretty normal. And then I moved to Northern California when I was seven, which took me even further away from in and out or growing up inside of, you know, being known as the granddaughter or in and out person. So because up where I lived was almost in Oregon and there weren't any in and outs anywhere around there. So I was just a normal kid to people up there. And I think that was great. I think it preserved probably, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think my parents made a really good decision when they did that because it preserved any sense of normalcy or me just having uh, you know, more of a humble upbringing i guess uh, like i said you know there was i lived on a ranch so there was property to roam around on but it was a normal house and you know, I, I rode four wheelers and you know it was it was great um but it wasn't until i was 11 when my uncle died in that plane crash that i was exposed to what it might be like as being known as you know an in and out family member that you know, got different treatment. And it was a Christian school. And unfortunately, it was a terrible experience. It was the worst year in school. And, you know, I had pretty good grades um, up until then. And then just kind of getting bullied and made fun of. And even a teacher that seemed to, you know, my parents were like, she's jealous. That's why she's taking it out. And you're like, no way. Why would she take it out on, you know, an 11 year old? Like, well, what was she
2: doing? What was she saying?
1: Um, just grading really harshly on reports, so they got me a tutor, and they had the tutor looking at that used to be a teacher, and they're like, "This is this is at least you know an A minus or a B plus," and she just jacked it down to like a C something. It was just crazy stuff like that, and just her attitude towards me. But later, I found out I wasn't the only person that she was terrible to. My husband, <laughs> random little side thing here, my husband's cousin had her, and he told me literally a month ago that she ruined his life so so uh she was a terrible teacher uh but yeah it was that year that really i was exposed to you know names like oh burger burger princess burger queen in and out girl oh do you must smell like hamburgers because you're you know just just stuff like that. It was really nasty. And then my dad got so sick of it and saw how it was he moved us back up north and decided to just commute. He decided he would commute because he was running the company at that point. So we went back up north and they started a small private school and it was
2: amazing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's terrible though. I mean, you know, it's awful that you had to be subjected to that. Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, I luckily I was up there from, you know, uh, age seven to really 18 minus one year. So it was a lot of good years up there and not bringing up there where I was treated normal. And it was good.
2: Okay. So then your father, tell us about what happened then with him.
1: Yeah. So my uncle and him had a lot of, a lot of unresolved issues and, my uncle's wife at the time was really putting a wedge between them. A lot of people would call her a gold digger. She was my sister's age and was with my uncle, but you know I don't have any bad feelings towards her. But I do. I did hear a lot of stuff that wasn't wasn't great and threats she made against him about on oh, I'll do this if you lose weight and blah blah blah. Just sad stuff, you know, for a man that was very loving. My dad and him had quite a falling out, and they had not. Really been around each other for about a year. And I I invited him. I hadn't talked to him a long time. He got married in that period where we weren't talking to him. And I invited him to my Christmas play where I was doing puppetry. So he came and him and my dad had a conversation afterwards. And he asked my dad to forgive him. And he said, Guy, I don't know when I'll see you again. And he hugged him, but my dad didn't like accept. His apology. He was just kind of. He was hurt, you know. And so it was the very next day that my uncle died in a plane crash. Quite tragic. Wonderful that they got to see each other, but just kind of raw with it not ending. Well, you know so my dad had been sober uh, for years and you know his issues were mainly prescription drugs because he'd had he'd broken his back paralyzed his shoulder he'd have d- different surgeries and he was fast metabolizer which I inherited and didn't know until much later because I avoided narcotics and then I had a surgery and found out wow they don't work <laughs> so yeah he was really going through it just dealing with a lot of the childhood pain I think any any reason he already had to, to abuse drugs was amplified when he lost his brother. That was his only sibling. It was his younger sibling. Now he's left with the whole company. You know, his dad's gone. His dad didn't show the approval to him like he did the younger son. So he kind of had it the hardest and then lost his baby brother in that place. So it really was hard. And my dad was trying to commute to SoCal NorCal. For work and so with that shuffle mixed with all that pain it pushed him back into abusing prescription drugs and um really sad because that's where our relationship kind of fell apart and never got to be restored now i he was a wonderful father when he was sober and you know i feel i often feel bad for other kids when i don't see some of the traits and characteristics my own father had like the just the protectiveness, the quality time, the love, the selflessness. There were so many things that he provided when he was sober, which was a lot of my life, you know, but just tragic. You know, my uncle died in a plane crash. And then my dad passed six, six years later from, from drugs. And it it wasn't that he overdosed. Actually, they didn't find that much in his system, especially for someone that could literally take 30 Vicodin and live. But he didn't have much, but his heart just, it gave out. I think uh had enough. He already had atrial
2: fibr- fibrillation. And so I was- How old were you then? I was 17. Yeah. 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 So young to lose your dad. Yeah. yeah. And at that point, you became the only heir to in and out right? Yes, that is true. Yes. My uncle never had
1: any children. He loved kids. I was basically his- his borrowed child, <laughs>
2: yeah. borrowed me as a kid and spoiled me. Yeah. That's a lot to take on as a child, right? Yeah. I think I, you know, I
1: had an attorney instantly. So I think I wrote my first will when I was 21 and, you
2: know, it was things definitely diverted from any kind of normal. At that point. <laughs> right. And so you yourself got married very young the first time.
1: I did. And I, you know, something in me said it was a mistake before I did it, but I was just like, oh, I'll deal with that later. And I sure did. But yeah, I was, we didn't go to the same high school, but high school sweetheart kind of thing. We were together from 14,
2: got married at 18. And then two years later, we're divorced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe trying to seek stability or something, right? I, I, yeah. I'm just guessing. My, my parents were divorced when I was 12.
1: So that was kind of when my dad wasn't in my life and wasn't providing that, that love need of, you know, just the quality time and that father-daughter attention, bond, all like, we were very bonded. I was much closer to my dad than I was my mom. So you know, just missing that. I think I, I naturally was looking for that relationship. And so I was friends with guys. It was very normal for me to have guy friends, not necessarily looking for attention and those in all ways, but just because we related more. I was very tomboy. I rode quads. I drove a tractor. I liked fishing. I liked, you know, offering. I liked so many things that guys like that the girls weren't as into lots of extreme sports and stuff. So I just kind of hit it off and I wasn't as mo- emotionally charged, definitely emotional, but not as emotionally charged as many women, I was kind of more logical and rational. So, yeah, uh, I still have tons of relationships with with men, with men as good friends. And but that, of course, went into just trying to fill that void, you know, not having my dad. So, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, okay, so then you get married, you get divorced, and then you ended up getting married again, and you had the twins. Yeah, yeah,
1: really? yeah. So the first marriage ended from a list of things and he, without going into all the detail, I mean, he had no goals for his life, had a porn addiction. There was just a lot. And so I separated and in that separation, I thought I would put the nail in the coffin and have an affair basically. And I did that and probably not the right order of things uh, for sure but he did end up being my next husband and the father of my my first two
2: kids my twins so
1: yeah it's one of those things where you can't go down the regret road because then you don't have those those children but uh, yeah yeah
2: but yeah right and then you have another son with your next husband right you have four children yeah. total yes i do so the the pattern was really one relationship to the next
1: you know in Uh, You know, the first one was basically overlapped. And then the next one was one, you know, from the frying pan into the fire kind of thing, where I went from one not so great relationship into another. And and again, it's that it was my own healing that I needed, you know, the daddy issue, the the void and trying to fill that with a person trying to get, you know, the best way I can describe it is it's, it's a God shaped hole that you're trying to put a person in that's not going to fill it, you know? So I think that that heart in my hole was, was just so big and I didn't realize, you know, even though I loved God and, and all of that, you know, the times that I was close or the times I drifted away from him, I still needed that healing to be whole and to trust him and to, Really, just be a person on my own without having to, you know, have that other person in my life. And I can see in my first marriage, there was codependency. And the second one, it was the opposite. He was not connected and was not needy at all. So I had to learn to live off of meager rations of love and attention. So, you know, I went from one type of relationship to complete opposite. And, but I think, uh, you know, now, thank God, uh, the time that I was alone after my third husband, I finally sought that healing and, and was a whole person before I got into another relationship, which now I've been happily married
2: for almost eight years and had another child that I said I wasn't going to have. And... But I know, I know Sean and you guys, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, social interaction with, you know, you and, and your husband and my husband and me and the four of us have, have done some social things and, and uh, you guys are so perfect for each other. Thank you. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, you had to get whole yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I wish I would get so many other people to understand that because it would save them from divorces, pain, financial, <laughs> so much.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But it's such a good lesson for people to hear. Yeah. So you, when did you, I mean, you started working at the company when you were very young But when did you fully take it over?
1: So in 2010 was when I really like officially became president. My grandmother died in 2006, the same year I had my twins. She died while I was pregnant and, you know, it was kind of put on the table. And, you know, my uncle was actually 24 when he took over, which was the age I was then. And I just said, no, you know, I'm I'm having these two kids, you know, I just lost my grandmother. There's a lot going on. I'd rather wait, and so you know I think it was the right decision and waiting till two thousand and ten was was good, and you know, of course, my involvement was still heavy, and I was involved with making decisions and so many things, but it was official where it changed in two thousand and ten. yes
2: <laughs> customers are rushing to your store.
0: Coming up, more on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zell. I
1: think people mix up sometimes the definition of humility, but really it's knowing who you are before God, yourself, and others. And I think that's been
2: something that's helped me just kind of live in that freedom. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength. And truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they're not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create the resource Tips for Negotiating with a Narcissist. To download the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash negotiate. Are you struggling with how to negotiate and win? Maybe you're dealing with a personality that's particularly challenging like a narcissist or other high conflict personality and you're feeling powerless. Make sure to download my free Win My Negotiation cheat sheet at www.winmynegotiation.com. Did you know that Americans spend more than 90% of their time indoors, and that in some cases, indoor air can actually be more polluted than outdoor air, and that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths across the world every year? Airborne allergens are the most common allergy triggers, such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. We are so happy to introduce an air purifier that captured the attention of established media outlets such as CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so that your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor is amazing and it comes with no questions asked. 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. So head to airdoctor.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE. And depending on the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. You're saving up to 40% off. Lock in this special offer by going to A I R. D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code YOURBESTLIFE.
0: Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life.
2: Because they are liars. And you know what judges hate more than anything? They hate liars. And... You know, and and narcissists are lazy. They're also very, very lazy. They also ignore court orders. And judges hate lazy liars who ignore court orders.
0: And now we return to today's show.
2: Yeah, and I have to say, uh, having met your executive team myself and having gotten to know them, You have surrounded yourself with amazing people as well. Yeah. Yeah. Blessed. (laughs) Yeah. And but you are very much definitely the person who is in charge. And you very much have stepped into that role and stepped up into that role. And I have to say, I'm I'm so impressed with how well you have stepped up and into that role. As a female, I mean, there's so few female entrepreneurs and so female CEOs of large corporations And especially as young as you are and with as much adversity as you had to overcome, I just have to, you know, I'm so in awe as somebody who's gotten to observe you on a close level of how well you've been able to step in and up to it. And I've been able to attend in and out functions and see firsthand how much the employees absolutely adore you. And, you know, you, you do your, uh, I, a lot of people may not know how you perform for them. You do these fire eating acts. You do these trapeze <laughs> acts. You, do, you play in this rock band for them. I mean, you, you are who you are. As a person, you are such an individual. I mean, you are so much of who you are as an individual, and yet you still pilot this company in your own way and in such a badass way. And I'm so in awe and inspired by that. So tell me how this journey has been for you.
1: Oh, well, might need more time. Yeah, I mean, it's been... I learned a lot through... adversity and different trials in my life for sure some my own mistakes some disloyal people some betrayal you know there's there's lots of different things that have happened that have helped me i guess be who i am and i for sure thank god every day because i would i don't think i'd even be alive without him and you know just his grace and i don't know just him being able to give me a new start after some of the mistakes in my life and be able to build on top of that stuff not just erase it but build on top of it and know the people that I can help and reach out to because of what I've been through and maybe prevent them from going through some of the same things. And, but I, you know, I used to care a lot about what people think. And I want to say, I, (laughs) I kind of killed a lot of that one through not being able to defend myself in the public eye when false information goes out and just kind of go like, okay, or what are you going to do? You know? And, and then also just having my identity in in the Lord, like knowing who I am and who I'm not. And I think people mix up sometimes the definition of humility, but really it's knowing who you are before God, yourself, and others. And I think that's been something that's helped me just kind of live in that freedom, I guess, is I don't have to try to fit into the corporate mold or try to be who the world says I should be, or, you know, I can I can be me and, you know, you'll be rejected for it and that's okay. You know, not everyone's gonna like, <laughs> like me. And, and I just hope, you know, the, the one area I of course care about what people think is if they think I don't care. You know, I always say that, like I, I care deeply for people and I have a love. And I think that when people try to misjudge and say, oh, she doesn't care, this is that, that one hurts me and makes me feel like, oh, I just, I just need them to know, you know, but Other than that, you know, I think that I'm able to be pretty free and, and, you know, some of the things you mentioned, like me doing aerial or fire, you know, I have always loved to entertain people. And my grandmother, she knew when I was probably four years old, she's like, Lindsay's going to be an entertainer. And, you know, I didn't, Outside of In-N-Out, but definitely within, I've been able to help plan our parties, help plan our events, help plan our incentive travel trips and the things that people get to do. And and also, yes, be in a band and perform for them. You know, the, the fire, the aerial, all this stuff, I love it. I mean, I've always been kind of like an extreme sport or like take a risk and and do stuff. But then I'm also tempered with a lot of like when it comes to work, I'm very like old school. I want to keep things original. I want to not jump into all these new things that everyone else is doing. So, so it's, it's interesting. There's, (laughs) there's, um, some, differences there where someone might think, oh, she does all these crazy things. So she's probably going to take the company in this crazy direction and, you know, grow it super fast or change this or change that. But it's not, it's not like
2: that. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's so inspirational how you are doing things on your own way, you know, and on your own terms. And you don't feel like you need to fit into a mold. I, I just think that that is such an inspiration for women, especially you know, and you've learned these lessons so young. I think it's, it's so, I mean, have you ever thought about like being a motivational speaker, like for women? You know, I do, I do like a good bit of interviews and um,
1: podcasts and speak at different places where I feel like I'm kind of doing that already. Just not, you know, just didn't put a title on, on it. So I think I'm kind of already there. I just haven't officially made myself one, but I, I feel like I can pump people. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Because you have such a, a, an incredible story, especially with so much adversity that you've overcome. Yeah. So let's talk about your philanthropic efforts. It's especially, I, I do want to get to Slade Legal Aid Foundation, which we've created as well, because you've created several nonprofits and... Uh, is, you know, you've created several through In-N-Out Burger and uh, Slave to Nothing. And obviously, uh, you know, Slave to Nothing is uh, for human trafficking and for... (laughs) Sorry, sorry for... Go ahead. I'll I'll let you say it. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Slave to Nothing is just, it's kind of
1: two-part. It's both fighting human trafficking and substance abuse. And just, you know, the mission is to to be able to help people and make sure that they're not enslaved to any substance or person.
2: Yes. And uh, so I, and, and both I are near and dear to my heart and I think are amazing. And I've been to the, the, the fundraisers for that. And I think they're absolutely incredible and you've done such an amazing, amazing job for those. And, and um, so, you know, if you want to just talk a little bit about those and, and then I do want to, move into uh slave legal aid as well. But I do want, I want to give you a chance to talk about those as well.
1: Yeah. So yeah, to nothing, like I said, is, is helping two different areas and we have been pretty successful. You know, there's lots of different organizations we've been able to help and we just finished, you know, we go through the grant process and look at how it's grown and and how many different organizations were able to help. So I think, you know, just in January alone with our events, we were able to raise over a million dollars. And that was a big deal for Slave to Nothing because this is one of our newer foundations. Our other in and out Foundation is called the in and out Burger Foundation, and that's been around since the 80s, and that's to fight child abuse. So that was started by my uncle and my grandmother. And actually, my mom behind the scenes was involved Um and that was as a result of my dad and my uncle being abused as children. My uncle finally had the realization <laughs> and came to terms with it and went to my dad. And my dad was like, yeah, no kidding. You're just not realizing this. And so so they started that. And so that's been going for a long time. And we're actually having our 35th golf tournament this well, in May, which is a huge event that's just wildly successful and raises so much money for all these kids and just giving them hope for a better future and, you know, preventing child abuse as much as we can, rescuing them as early as we can. And we even have programs that go out of, you know, there's an age out thing where, you know, they get to a certain age and now where do they go? So there's programs that help up to like 24 now. So we're able to kind of catch those kids too. And and, well, not kids, but (laughs) we're able to, well, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really great. And then, you know, those are are the two that are under the umbrella of in and out And then my husband and I have a ministry nonprofit, which is called Army of Love. And that's really, it's like a church with no walls. It's, you know, where they, people can go from any church or no church, and they can either enlist to go through the modules, which is like a discipleship program. It's, it's kind of like, uh, somewhat of a Bible college, uh, abbreviated and put into these seven modules and each module is about you know could take about three four hours but it's it's fantastic so we have that and people can also seek help so we're working on expanding our helpline where people can chat. And you know, the the goal is to have so many people trained and in our database that would be ready to be dispatched to help to counsel someone, to help them with something, to you know, kind of meet them where they are. And we know so many other organizations where we don't need to reinvent the wheel if there's someone struggling with addiction. you know all of these people that you know have organizations for that. So we can push them towards help there. If it's uh, veterans you know we're, we work closely with the mighty oaks warrior program so we have someone we can send them there so we have a lot of places we can also send people if it's in their uh, wheelhouse and then just the day-to-day marriage or counseling or depression or whatever it is you know we're there for them and can provide biblical biblical counsel and and just support so it's been great actually some of our staff is over in africa right now i'm doing Amazing work and meeting with the past some of the pastors and leaders that we that are within Army of Love over there.
2: Amazing. Yeah. Oh, so let's talk about Slain Legal Aid. We came together because you actually found me on YouTube originally. And we we met and we became friends. <laughs> and and you actually had mentioned to me initially about forming a, some sort of a foundation together. Right. And, and so I was like, uh, yeah, I would love to create something with you. That would be amazing. And so I said, how about we do, I've been wanting to do something to provide legal aid to people. And we, uh, started the, I mean, and I'm so, uh, amazed that this has now come to fruition. And so here we are, it's, it's, it's up, it's running. And, uh, we now have hired a brand new executive director in Melissa. And so I wanted to ask you first, why did you want to do this and what has inspired you to, you know, to, to get involved with this? Yeah. I
1: think, you know, it first started with just your, all of your knowledge and help with dealing with narcissists. So I was glued to your videos and watching one after the other. I'm like, yes, I need this. I need help. I need help. <laughs> And um, and then realizing, you know, how common it is, how many narcissists are in different people's lives. And, and if they are in need of help, you know, legally, they just don't know what to do. They don't have the money. They don't know, you know, where to go. And so it just kind of continues with the narcissist manipulating and and keeping them down. And it, it sucks. So I think that that was part of it. And then just realizing how jacked up the system is that, you know, I have someone close to me that was on drugs for a long time, got sober and, you know, hasn't had their daughter in their life. And he was an act, a child actor. So the baby's mom basically took how much he made when he was acting and and tacked that onto what his child's force should be. And so he has all this, you know, this giant number looming over him for the years he's on drugs and, and now, and so he's he's just scared to even have a bank account because any money that he does get is going to go towards there. And it's like, well, you need to deal with it. But again, how is he going to get an attorney who's going to pay for it? What is he going to do? All he needs to do is have a judge see, wow, I've been on drugs. Now I'm sober. I can't pay this. I'm willing to pay something, but I can't pay this. What do I do? And he can't, you know, he can't get his passport to travel. He can't do all of these things because he's just tied up with this. And so, you know, learning, some of the things through you just that, you know, you've got criminals that get attorneys instantly and then you've got people in these situations and they're stuck and they're just, you know, they are enslaved basically to a crappy situation because they can't afford to get an attorney and get help. So, and there's, I mean, there's so many different, I know mean, there's so many different categories of people in those situations where they just can't afford to get help.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I don't think that most people realize that criminals get an attorney appointed to them because of the constitution right. but that in civil cases you don't get an attorney appointed to you and mm-hmm. I you know I, I I don't think that that's something that most people realize do you I mean no, I, I don't think they do yeah and so really an attorney is is something that only really people with some money can afford, and 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 it's really kind of not fair to attorneys either because you're basically asking attorneys to work for free, if 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 and so, you know I think that, I, you know it, it's it's kind of like not fair to either side, right? If you know because you're either saying work for free attorneys or, or, you know, or the, or, or, you know, try to get somebody to be able to afford an attorney who, who's, you know, charging 300 an hour, 500 an hour, a thousand an hour, 1500 an hour, whatever it is. Right. And it's just so, you know, it's inherently not fair. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that may be part of it as well. So was, was there anything else that inspired you to, you know, you know, when you were saying, you know, you had, you know, you were trying to defend yourself in the, in the public eye, did that also inspire you to want to, you know, collaborate to start Slay as well? Or was that part of it? Not as much with that. I
1: think, I think the, the main thing is just knowing, like you know, I do have you know the money to it and afford it. an attorney, even though I think it's <laughs> crazy sometimes how much. But even in that, it's already hard enough. And then to run into different people that whether they're dealing with a child support, child custody, something domestic, you know, something like that, and they just don't know what to do. They can't afford. They don't know where to get help. They, you know, I think I've even reached out to you about a few other people's um issues and you've helped
2: there and so just yeah and and veterans like we talked about veterans right um people who are victims of human trafficking i mean they can't get attorneys it's just it's 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 very sad and it feels like an injustice
1: to them when you have criminals that are provided an attorney and then they're not- They def- get attorneys
2: automatically. Right, right. So- Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I think it just ties to a lot of what I feel my call is in life and a lot of the, the verses that stand behind both Slave to Nothing and Army of Love is, is to set the captives free and to bring- healing and freedom and to be a voice for the voiceless and fight for those who can't fight for themselves. So I feel a lot of that. And I think that this is just another area to kind of carry that out and help people.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. I feel the same way. And I feel, I feel that I was chosen as well. And, you know, I, I just always, you know, let, let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let my, words be your words, you know, show me, show me the way, you know, I just sort of pray that every morning. And, you know, I do believe that we are all messengers and and, in different ways, you know, we get chosen to be messengers in different ways. Right. And, you know, I believe that we were meant to come together to do this. (laughs) Sure. And uh, so I, I feel very, very, blessed to be your partner in this together and that, you know, that we get to bring this to the world and, you know, and, and, and really change how justice is brought to people through, through slave legal aid because I believe that we will be able to change how, you know, how people get access to justice through slate legal aid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. <laughs> this show is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we carry them and we bottle them up, it can definitely affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get them off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know it's definitely been helpful for me in learning how to deal with past trauma and set boundaries and be the best version of myself. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's super convenient because it's all online and flexible. Just Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash negotiate today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, hel com slash negotiate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean because the people that I've spoken to, even the lawyers are like, well, it's more fair for the lawyers too. You know. Yeah. So, thank you for being my partner in oh, You. And so, is there anything else that you want to make sure that we share about it or that we say about it? I don't know. I mean, I guess the The call would just be to those
1: who want to make a difference. You know, the people that want to, that see injustice and it upsets them, you know, that's where we'll be calling on people to, you know, get involved and to help get behind it so that we are able to make a difference. And, you know, it's, it's one person's story makes it all worth it. You know, you hear different testimonies and the different foundations we have and you know, you hear one moving story and you're like, oh my gosh, that makes the whole thing worth it, you know? So just to know, again, that we can affect, you know, hundreds, thousands, of lives, you know, and that it will keep growing and be past thousands, you know, it's just, it's it's exciting. And I think we just need people to get outside of themselves and their bubble and think a little bigger than just, you know, our lives. because we, You know, we have our lives, we do have that. We never know how long they are, but the best thing we could do is, you know, help others and impact outside of our lives and and where that continues. Because many times one person helped has a ripple effect because when they're helped, they want to help someone else. And, you know, just being being part of a bigger plan and part of, you know, allowing God to touch people in that way, because I think some people are so stuck. They're so stuck and they're enslaved to their problems or their issues where they can't get outside of themselves to be able to do, you know, what we'd
2: like to do and help others. So Absolutely. And the more you help others, honestly, the the more you will actually see blessings come into your own life. It really is so much. I mean, people think that, oh, I can't give because I don't have enough. But you really do see that the more you give, the more blessings you see come back into your life. I mean, it is so much in giving that you receive.
1: Well, just like the, I mean, there's a story of the widow's might where this woman in the Bible didn't have hardly anything to give. And she gave like the smallest amount and she gave it in faith, you know, and God blessed her, you know. And I think that, you know, we got a check from someone for Slave to Nothing for a small amount. And, you know, and there was a letter attached to it. And it's like that one person believes that we're making a difference and gave something that was significant to them. Doesn't seem like it would be significant all around. But I just know that it is because, you know, their heart inside of that, God's going to get behind it and he's going to make it grow. And, you know, every, every little bit, whether it's financial or someone's effort of giving their time, self and wealth to others, you know, it's just, it's meaningful.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being a part of this and being my partner in this. And thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. your best life. And I will definitely catch you in the next episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. Thanks so much for listening.
3: That's B-O-D-I dot com.
2: Hey Slayers, I'm here to tell you about a new podcast I'm excited about, Creating Confidence hosted by Heather Monahan, a part of the Yap Media Network. Heather sits down with experts like Gary V, Sarah Blakely, and Les Brown to share with you techniques and strategies to create your confidence, pursue your dreams, and leap frog villains you'll meet along the way. Creating confidence is about elevating your confidence to the highest level ever and take your business right there with you. Don't believe me? I'm going to share some of the amazing reviews that I've seen on Apple. Here's one. Heather has the perfect gems of wisdom that not only inspire you, but motivate you into action. I recommend it to anyone who wants to elevate their reach and go to that next level. How about that? That's amazing. Here's another one. Heather is so inspiring and Each episode is filled with tips and tricks on how to become more confident and live the life of your dreams. So, if you are looking to level up your confidence, check out Creating Confidence now. Subscribe to Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is.